Hello all, welcome to the Ex-Millennial Man Podcast, the podcast for SeedSing.com. I am your host, R.D. Kulik, and much to all the fine emails I get from people praising me about doing this show on my own and how much of a hero I am, I just could not do it without the greatest host on this side of the Mississippi River. I promise you guys that Ty's not fired. He will be coming back. But before that, I've got to talk some tennis with uh, Tina. So welcome back to the podcast, Tina. Thank you. So I don't have any snappy music for anyone. I'm not going to be playing any Miley Cyrus or G.I. Joe cartoon music this time. That was my story, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. About being at the water park in the Dells and yeah, well, party in the USA. Well, I need people to relate to me because I'm the <laughs> voice that's soothing them through these dark and difficult times. Plagiarism. Yeah. We're going to talk about Wimbledon, or as I like to call it when I was growing up, Wimbledon, because I know you guys love that. It's, is there any more annoyance? Is there any more well actually from tennis fans than when you hear a non-fan say Wimbledon? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably, but okay. we won't get into that. So, no, we're, we're going to talk about the tournament, but I want to, I really want to cover the tournament in the first half. And then go into some of the other issues, because there's some things I do want to talk about. Uh, things like how some of the top players in the world did not even get to play. And number one, the number one ranked player in the ATP. Yeah, so there was that issue. And then a couple of other things, because there was some celebrations and things like that. And I've got my gripes with Wimbledon and the grass and the all-white and all the stupid stuff. But people are here at the top to hear tennis. So let's talk a little bit of tennis. And this was, I think it was the first major tournament in a year that Serena Williams played in. Yeah, because she slipped on the grass last year at uh, at Wimbledon. She actually made her debut back to the court, I think at Eastbourne, which is one of the warm-up tournaments, where she invited Ons Jabeur to play doubles with her. And they played a couple of matches. And one of my very, very favorite little tennis gifts now is going to be Serena Williams lining up to hit a backhand on a short ball and Onjabur popping right in front of her and hitting a perfect drop shot right in front of her and Serena just looking over at her with awe. It was it was great. Looking at her with awe? She took her shot away. It was a better shot than uh, the one that Serena had. Yeah, okay. Well, we don't have to talk much about Serena because uh, she was out right away. So let me ask well, you up top, should have she even played? Why did she even play? She wants to play, she can play. Uh, She's uh, Serena Williams. Yes. She is also 40, soon to be 41, I think, and had not played a competitive singles match in a year. So to think she can just show up at Wimbledon and cruise into the third or fourth round. Again, she is Serena Williams, but she's also, I don't know that Serena Williams could have done that at 30. Again, she wants to play. She can play, right? But Mother Nature is undefeated. Yeah. I mean, I know that she was, you know, one of the reasons that she entered Eastbourne with Shabur was because she she wanted to get some matches under her belt. Who's going to say no to having Serena Williams in the draw? Who's going to say no to having Andy Murray in the draw? It's kind of the same thing that people are thinking. It's, oh, is it fair that these aging stars who or out of practice and maybe not match fit or taking up spots in the draw. It's a 128-person draw, there okay. are, and there are plenty of ways to get into it. So, yeah, it's fine with me. Serena might even actually still have the ranking to get in. I, I don't know. But, yeah, so she she played her first match against a, a French player named Harmony Tan. 
third set tiebreak, which is new-ish at Wimbledon. They're not doing the stupid 12-all in the third set or fifth set. They're just going straight to a 10-point tiebreaker now in the final set. And lost in the third set tiebreaker to Harmony Tan. And I didn't see any of it because I think I was on a plane at the time. But by all accounts, it was an incredible match. I saw the end of it. I was working at it at the gym and I'm like, oh, Serena lost. <laughs> yeah. To somebody named, what was her name? Amy Tan or? Harmony Tan. Harmony Tan. Tan. Amy Tan. Did she write the Joy Luck Club or something? Or yeah. Like, so. And now, I mean, <laughs> Tan did go on to win two more matches or maybe three. Two more, at least, yeah. But she didn't win the title. So, yeah, the general, when we look at the women's draw, and I think since we've been doing this podcast, been talking about this, there always seems to be a new one coming up. Some of them are winning multiples. Yeah, this time we had a first time winner, obviously, which means it wasn't the French Open winner. I'm going to say it wrong. Swantech? Swantech. Swantech. That's it. How many is she going to have to win before you say her name? 27. That's when I'll figure it out. Okay. So, but she didn't win this epic streak. Also, you know, she's a pole. Is, you, that, is that an insinuation? No, I'm saying given your heritage. Do you, you know why SKI is at the end of Polish names? Because <laughs> toboggan's too hard to spell. But anyways. I didn't uh, feel <laughs> if it, like if it was right for me to finish that joke. But, That's right. <laughs> but but uh, my point is, you know, as a nod to your heritage, you should Well, maybe I will. Properly. But she did not win this one. No, and I don't think anybody really expected her to. I mean, she, I, I mean, she was in the corner quarters or semis or something. I think she made the fourth round. Okay, and lost to Alize Cornet, who is a who also t- wasn't in the final. No, but Cornet Cornet's never made a final. She made mm. her. She's what, like I think that she's retiring at the end of this year, and has played sixty something slams and made her first quarter back in Australia this year. So I oh, should have retired then. But, yeah, but anyway, she she likes to play on grass. You know, I think I mentioned it to you at the time. I, I don't know what's up with the French players who like to play on grass. There's there's a lot of them. <laughs> and Corday's a tough customer on grass and and was going to be a tough out for Schwantek anyway. But the final. So yeah. Angebur, who was a hot thing coming into the French Open and got bounced in the first round. Mm-hmm. Makes the final here. I didn't realize. I think I told you during our last episode that she was my pick to win this title. Made the final, but didn't win. She didn't win. So who did win? Elena Rybikina. Another not Russian, Kazakh, even though Russian. Yeah, I guess. Sure, we can get into that It's like if I say I'm from Ohio, but I'm really from St. Louis. But I'm really not. I was born in Minnesota, so I guess it doesn't matter. But anyways, she won, yep. and it seemed to me this Angebur thing, which, I again, I was a little shocked. I don't follow as much as you do, but she's like 27, 28 or something like yeah, that. Yeah. She's not super young. No, she's been around for a long time. I think we've talked about her on this podcast prob- several yeah, years probably, ago. Yeah, probably. Because everybody loves watching her play. And she won the first set and then did not win. Yeah. Now, she did have a run to the final, right? So you're... Past 126 people in the field at that point, right? As far as her being a little bit older, I think we've talked about it before on this podcast with Ash Barty, even Roger Federer, right? Players that have a lot of variety in their games. Just takes longer to figure out, right? If all you have is a hammer, really easy to know what to do, right? But if you have a whole toolkit, it's hard to pick the right one at the right time. And, you know, that's something that she's kind of figured out at this point. I think she can play on any surface. I think her previous best result 
was at Wimbledon and also at the Australian. I think she made the the quarters at the Australian Open, um, not this past year, but the year before that. So she can play on all surfaces, but I don't know that she's going to come out and be dominant in the same way that Shrontek has the ability to be. Uh, okay, I want to make sure I'm saying this right, and I apologize, but I am a full-blown you know, Yankee that doesn't even barely understand the English language. Rybakina. 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 Okay, Rabakina. All right, I have to get my brain to go around it. So she she is young. She's what, 22? 23, tw- I yeah. think. Yeah. And this was, she was a 17th seeded player or however the, I know Wimbledon is. No, they yeah. do. They do straight. Oh, I thought they now. got to choose their own nope. or whatever. Okay. No, nope. they used to have a formula that weighted your results on grass, but mm-hmm. they don't do that okay. anymore. But she she got there. And like I said, she dropped the first set, but then 6-2, six, 6-2. Two, six, two. It kind of wasn't close. I mean. Do we need to keep an eye out? Is this a flash yes. in the pan? No, okay. it's not a flash in the okay. pan. I, I mean, so so Rabakina beat Serena Williams at the French Open a couple of years ago. In the final? No. But, yeah. uh, I thought this was her first. Earlier in the tournament, yeah. Huh. So she was actually kind of going places pre-pandemic. And then the pandemic kind of happened and screwed up a lot of people's training and travel schedules, right? But no, she she was definitely going places. This is not a shocking result. She, I think she beat Simona Halep at the U.S. Open last year in the round of 16, maybe. So she's, she's getting there. Match. She's played against top players. She's beat some top players. Yeah. She's there. So you break through. and Yeah. I, I mean, what was interesting to me is, so Rebekah's first match on center court was her semifinal. She hadn't been scheduled on on center before then. <laughs> you kind of wonder watching the match, who's going to handle the pressure better, right? And in the first set, obviously, Owen Shabur handled the pressure better. But props to Rebecca, who, first of all, she's got a great serve, which, especially on grass, a great serve will take you a long way, especially if it's reliable and hers is. She reminds me a little bit of players of that, that style. So I'm thinking about Petra Kvitova, Maria Sharapova a little bit. Really, the one she reminds me of the most kind of is Lindsay Davenport, except Davenport had much better net sense than Rebecca does. But from the from the back of the court, she hits the ball incredibly cleanly, and she's got that big serve. And Lindsay Davenport won Wimbledon. Petra Kvitova won Wimbledon twice. There's a precedent for that type of player doing well at Wimbledon. And that's that's who she reminds me of. So, you know, it, it's not a shock mm-hmm. that she won. And... She kept her nerve. I mean, just ice water in her veins. I know she said later that she was glad the match was over because she was incredibly nervous the Mm -hmm. entire time, but didn't show it. Didn't show it. I mean, a lot of people were kind of getting on her because she barely reacted when she won. And I think everybody reacts to those moments in a different way. So, you know, I think it was almost like shock. Oh, my God, they just won Wimbledon. Well, as uh, Waylon Smithers would say, let's bring on the men. So the American men in particular, I was out with our child and I don't know, talking about something. And I don't know how we got into the topic, but it's talking about men, uh, American men in tennis in particular. And, I, you know, when I was growing up, I barely remember John McEnroe, but I know of John McEnroe. You remember and, Jimmy's, Jimmy Jim Connors, Connors run at the U.S. Open? Yeah, yeah. And then... 
but then and then re- it was the golden age that's of what American i say yeah tennis. you know michael chan comes out to win this french open but then you've got wasn't jim courier the next one to win yeah but then you had Andre Agassi and Pete Sampras, and it was Andre was the last one to win a major, I think, of that four of those four. Yeah, wasn't he the last one to win one? Or no, Pete, I guess, was the last one to win one too, career wise. I can't remember if Agassi won an Australian Open after that. Okay, but we're talking about a good ten plus years that American men were dominant. Yeah, at the top. Mm-hmm. And then it, Andy Roddick won, and I think I told our son it was 2002? Two, 2003, okay. 2002 was the year that Sampras won. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And an American man has not won a major title Well, because Roger since. Federer won the next five <laughs> U.S. Opens after that, right? Still, 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> an American, lots of American women. Yes, yes, they have. But 20, you know, And they're not all named Williams either. <laughs> So I kind of went through the 20 years prior, and if not competitive, the men were running the sport, American men. So I, I set all that up because I remember one day you said this to me and you looked at it. The American men, while they did not win, had a pretty damn good tournament, though. Better showing in a while. Yeah, I think there were four of them into the round of 16. That's pretty damn good. I think it was uh, Fritz, Taylor Fritz, Tommy Paul. Francis Tiafo and um, ooh, Brandon Nakashima. How could I forget Brandon no. Nakashima? Yeah. Who Brandon Nakashima is a young player. Unlike, I mean, he's younger than the well, rest of those Tiafo's guys. Tiafo's under 25, isn't he? And, and so is Fritz. Yeah. 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 There, I mean, this is. And so is, I think Tommy Paul is too. I mean, it, did any of them show you something that you think one of them might start pushing further? I think Nakashima is a hell of a young player to watch. He went five sets with Nick, with Nick Kyrgios, mm-hmm. in informed Nick Kyrgios, on grass, right? So yeah. that's that's not nothing. Big foe. I always, I always love Francis Tiafo. Partly, I have a soft spot for him because when he was like seventeen, you and I sat in the front row during mm-hmm. we we went out to the Western and Southern Open qualifying. And, he's a big fella then. He's probably a bigger fella now. And saw yeah, <laughs> and we watched his qualifying match. When he was, yeah, he was like a 17-year-old kid at the time. And I also appreciate when professional tennis players aren't from, I enjoy Jessica Pagula, but her family owns the Bills. Mm-hmm. The Buffalo know? Bills, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, uh, and Taylor Fritz, his his family owns Macy's. So, you know, big foe, I, his dad was a janitor, right? <laughs> so, I was a West African immigrant and, and, uh, and a janitor. So, I, I appreciate when professional tennis players don't come from the wealthiest of backgrounds. Yeah, but Taylor Fritz has been legit all year. I mean, really. He he won Indian Wells. Granted, that was the... <laughs> poor Taylor Fritz. So he won Indian Wells, beat Nadal in the final when Nadal had a cracked rib, <laughs> right? And then gets out here, can't beat Nadal when he has an abdominal tear. So Yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about that in the second half. Or actually, no, you know what? I'm going to talk a little bit about here. It'll be a good way to end the first half, and then we'll talk about the men's final starting off the second half. But uh, Nadal. Yeah. So he talks near the end of the French Open about how this might be his last French Open ever, and he's got a toe or a foot that is, I don't know, like ultra gangrene, or I don't know what was wrong with it. And goes out there and wins the French Open for the 110th, 100th time or whatever. And 
then he, everybody's like, yeah, there's no way he's going to play Wimbledon. And then a few days later, hey, yeah, I think I'm going to go play Wimbledon. Well, no, what he <laughs> said after that was that he was going to have a procedure and he would know basically within a week whether it worked. Obviously, it worked. Yeah, so he got there and he was doing well. And look, I, I do not begrudge the man at all. He has a shot at the calendar year Grand Slam. Yeah. And while everybody was kind of rooting for Djokovic, Trust me, people would much rather Nadal. Who's rooting for? Oh, you mean you mean to do the calendar? Yeah, right. right oh, yeah. yeah, we would all much rather <laughs> yeah. Rafael Nadal. So I get that, but he he gets into Wimbledon and he gets was his his was a no, it was a quarterfinal that he plays. I, I believe it was a five setter. It was in the tie break. Yeah, Taylor Fritz. You know, it's not his foot this time. Now he's got a gangrenous abdominal muscle or something like that. Yeah, and well, he was I. <sighs> Around late in the second set, he went to serve, and he had had some tape on it before, but late in the second set, he went to serve and immediately kind of hunched over after he served. He even confirmed later on, yes, that was the point at which something happened to make it worse. They kept showing his father in the box along with his sister, and they were basically yelling at him to withdraw. And he, it was... This weird moment because he was like studiously avoiding looking up at them because they were telling him to withdraw. Now and that's again, yeah, that's the second set, and he wins. He won in a fifth set tiebreak against Taylor Fritz, who a has hell of a serve, b was playing pretty well, and I think has the best final set tiebreak record on tour, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it's gotten a little worse now. Slightly worse now. <laughs> okay, I know a lot of people. And Nadal said, yeah. was serving. There are all these people on Twitter that were like, "He's faking it," and I'm like, "He's serving 90 miles an hour. I don't think he's yeah. faking it." On my best a day, I might be able to hit 190, and that's not a compliment to me. That's an well, insult to Nadal. In if you're, oh, yeah, right. you might be able to hit a ball 90 <laughs> miles an hour, but it wouldn't be in the box. Crack that ball. Yeah. <laughs> No, so here's the thing. I know a lot because what ended up happening is he went and had an MRI and then he withdrew, which means when we talk about the final, Nikirios basically got did not have to play. He got to walk over yeah. into the. And into I know. I think NBC was showing how this was. I think the third time in tennis history it yeah. had happened. Yeah. So not common. I get it's not common. You're at that level. Here's my thing. I don't. I know a lot of people are saying, "Oh, Taylor Fritz should have ended up getting." getting to play I, and i don't agree with that he lost yeah know, taylor fritz doesn't I, agree say, with he that. even said that yeah he lost and if the rules I, taylor fritz should have won that match doesn't matter but that's he he gave the right answer i'm just saying i know a lot of people are out there talking about how oh this is what should have happened there should be a match things like that no i i don't disagree with that i just and i know you and i've talked about it but i i put a little bit of, of this on the doll Okay, he's not a 25 year old. He's not even a 30 year old. He's 35. He knows his body. Part of me thinks he should have just get to that fifth set or whatever and just say, look, I'm going to retire. But by the same token, he knows that doctors with their numbing injections kept him in his zombie foot going through the French Open. Uh, From my understanding, this is this is different. But how does he know that? How does he know that at the He time? should. He is the best player ever. He should. No. How, I, um, I, I don't think it's fair to expect him to, A, you don't win 22 Grand Slams without being a competitor. 
Okay. I, I get I, it. I mean, it's just, I just don't think it's in any of these guys' fundamental makeup to withdraw from a match yeah. when to retire, to retire from a match if they don't have to. Like, I think Roger Federer retired from a match for the, like the first time, like two or three years ago. It's just not something they do. They would rather lose than retire. I, and then I, uh, he, and if you're going to keep playing, you're going to keep playing every point to the best of your ability. How are uh, you going to know that Taylor Fritz is going to play the one in 10 bad tiebreakers? He had taken play? medical timeouts and he should, he, and I know, again, I get everything you're saying. The trainer can't give you an MRI in a three minute medical timeout. But you can ask him, look, if this is what we think it is, will I be able to play my next match? And they would and say how's no. The trainer gonna, how's the trainer going to answer that question? No, you will not be able to play your next match. And you know for sure that the trainer would have said that. Because he went out and practiced the next day. Look, I'm not, I'm not, this isn't the hill I'm going to die on. I mean, I mainly am saying this because I think all the people saying that Taylor Fritz should have gotten to play in the semifinal, they're wrong. He should have not. Yeah. You know, that's. What's interesting is that Chris Clary, who's uh, covers tennis for the New York Times, he said that. And immediately a bunch of former players were like, no. Yeah. Hell no. I, did any former players even advocate for that? No. Yeah, I, I would think not. It's a very few people in general advocated for that because I he was trying to compare it to, well, sometimes a lucky loser in qualifying gets into the main draw. Yeah, no. But you know, one one of the most vocal one of the people that engaged on Twitter the most vocally was Andy Roddick. Uh Tracy Austin did too. Andy so, Roddick lost one match at Wimbledon a few times, I believe. Yeah. He did three times <laughs> to the same guy. Um <laughs> But Roger knows what it was like for Andy. He, he does. He, he was because it happened to him once. <laughs> it's happened to him a few times. No, well, since. at the time, <laughs> at the time, yeah, only yeah, once. Yeah. But no, Roddick was pointing out that there are a lot of ways to get into a main draw. You get wild cards. You get lucky losers. You get you know. But once you're in the main draw, you lose your out. Right? It's a single elimination tournament. That's it. You lose your out. So. I just don't agree with it. Nadal went out and practiced the next day, which means that he was still planning to play. And what what he said when he came out was, I can't win two more matches. Heavily implying that he thinks he can win one more, right? Kind of shows you what he thinks of Nick Kyrgios, doesn't mm-hmm, it? Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I... Some people have interpreted that as saying, I think I can beat Kyrgios, but I can't beat Djokovic like this, which may be what he was saying. I don't yeah. Know. And like I said, I'm, I, I don't think anything less of Nadal. And I get it. I get it. I just if I wanted to stake a dog in the fight, it would have been Nadal had a little bit more responsibility. But I, I'm professional willing... athletes, especially at that level, have different brains than you and me. And it's 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 very BS for me to be like, you owe it to the sport. You don't owe anything to the damn sport. Especially Rafael Nadal <laughs> yeah. owes nothing. The sport owes you a lot more. So I'll 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 concede that. Well, I mean, I won't say that. I think the man is probably a billionaire at this well, point, right? Yes, I but... think it's been a mutually beneficial relationship. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I don't think they're they're out there. He big. has a very nice boat. Yeah the the all England tennis club isn't. Out there on Bleecker Street begging for pence, you know. Isn't Bleecker Street in New York. Is it? I don't know what street. Baker Street. That's Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> right. Please, so give me a penny. But anyways, there we go. <laughs> you want my? <laughs> you want my Cockney accent? 
<laughs> so we'll we'll leave Which it. Which accent was that? What what area of town was that? South. Oh. <laughs> so so there. We'll leave it there. We'll take a break here, and then so you can all just imagine my Cockney accent, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some very mature men that are good role models for our future. Yep. Hello, all. This is RD. I wanted to talk to you guys about another podcast that I do work on called High Heels in Politics. It's hosted by Marianne Christie, who I work with here in Southwest Ohio. And Marianne, she interviews a lot of influential people. In Ohio, she's interviewed uh, a lot of political people that are influential. But for those of you outside of the state, she's also interviewed people like Susie Chapstick Chaffee, a former Olympic skier who was the face of Chapstick for the 1970s and 1980s. It's really interesting to listen to that one because She talks about her struggles as a woman in the Olympics, but then how she used her celebrity and her attractiveness in order to get more rights for amateur athletes, which led us today to things like the NIL. Also, Susie was very instrumental in Title IX, which we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of. But it's not all just seriousness. Uh, Marianne has also interviewed the Naked Cowboy, the New York City icon that's been out there. Simon Lease, who a lot of you may know if you've ever seen The People vs. Larry Flint, he was the guy that arrested Larry Flint. He also arrested Jerry Springer when Jerry Springer was a member of the Cincinnati City Council here. So I encourage you guys go to Spotify, Google, Apple, go search High Heels in Politics, follow, subscribe the show. Marianne comes out with a new one every week, and it's an incredibly great conversation. And if you're interested or know anybody that may be on High Heels in Politics, just go to the contact page and talk to us. So let's get back to the conversation. Okay, Tina, I got to do a little bit of a full disclosure here. Maybe a year or so ago, my favorite personality on tour was Nick Kyrgios. And you've always told me, great tennis player. He is a great, when when he's playing well, He, yeah. I think he can beat anybody. He's got a lot of talent. Talks tons of smack. Seems to be nice with the kids. Seems to be. Is enemies with the people I would be enemies with on tour. Right. So he, because he doesn't, well, historically has not liked Djokovic and likes Roger and Andy Murray. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He was out on a roller coaster at Kings Island near us with Andy Murray one time taking selfies when he should not be taking selfies. Kings Island scolded them. (laughs) Yes. So there's a lot I liked about Nick Kyrgios, but the thing is, he never seemed to break through. And you'd always say, oh, he's kind of he's kind of childish, or he's kind of this, or he has these meltdowns, and he just decides to quit. And at a point that I like... He has no as discipline. A, well, so here's the thing. I, I mean, if if he had, with his game, if he had Andy Murray's discipline, he'd win 15 slams. But if he had Andy Murray's discipline, he wouldn't be Nick Kyrgios. To quote a great man... Mr. Rafael Nadal, when asked a question about that, if, if, if. The line from The Dark Knight when Harvey Dent says you either die the hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Yeah. Well, he's lived long enough and done this crap for a while now. That he's A number ca- of us have gotten tired of Yes. And now he makes a run to the final at Wimbledon. <laughs> yeah. And I know along I- the way he and, was it uh, Sitsipas? Had, yeah. had basically a tennis match being interrupted by uh, open nights, open mic slam night. <laughs> most it, it was possibly the single most childish thing I've ever seen. And Sitsipas is not blameless. No, he's not. In, this. <laughs> in fact, I would argue that Sitsipas probably should have been defaulted out of the match because Kyrgios was doing 
So up until this fortnight, Curios's antics have been confined to the court. Now, I mean, we should mention that he has a legal summons in Australia for domestic, uh, for intimate partner violence, which is, to my knowledge, the first time he's been accused of something off mm-hmm. the court, right? But he's abusive to lines people and umpires in general, right? Here in Cincinnati, I think it was, he screamed at Fergus Murphy for a while. I think was suspended for it, if I'm not mistaken. He had some kind of consequence for it. He's generally been that, and I don't find that charming. You can talk to yourself all you like, Mm -hmm. right? Simona Halep and Andy Murray are famous for screaming at their boxes. When things aren't going their way, they just look up at their coaches and their player box and start screaming things, right? I mean, fine. I'm not sitting in the box. If the people sitting in the box, Daniil Medvedev. I, I love because his coach looks incredibly impassive the entire time whenever he's screaming. At, and again, that's player coach relationship. And that's between the player and the coach if the coach wants to put up with that. But the line judges and the umpires, they're working. They shouldn't have to put up with that kind of abuse. And Kyrgios is abusive in his language. So during the Sitsipas match, he was just doing what he does and... Sitsipas got frustrated at one point. I don't even know if he was frustrated with Kyrgios, with Kyrgios' behavior or just with his, his play or with his own play. But he winged a ball into the stands. Didn't hit anybody. But that's the same thing that Djokovic got defaults out yeah. of the US, U.S. Open for. And Kyrgios started arguing with the umpire about how he should have been defaulted for that. And I don't disagree with Kyrgios. I mean, he's a bad messenger for that. Well, yeah. But I don't disagree with him. I mean, the difference between getting defaulted can't be, did you accidentally hit somebody or not? It has to be the behavior that you have control over. So being reckless like that with the ball, I mean, if it got Djokovic defaulted, it should have gotten Tsitsipas defaulted. Well, for the most part, But though. anyway, at one point, Tsitsipas try- started trying to peg Kyrgios with the ball. <laughs> And admitted that later on yeah. and said, now, now, Tsitsipas, unlike Kyrgios, was contrite about his own behavior <laughs> and called Kyrgios a bully. Well, so for the most part, going into a final, everybody's rooting against whoever's playing Kyrgios to beat him. Unless that person happens to be Novak Djokovic. Yeah. The man who could not win a title this year after nearly winning four the year before, but he couldn't win one of them because they wouldn't let him into the country because he's not vaccinated. Yeah, well, he can't (laughs) come in for the next one either. Well, so this is pretty much his shot. Yeah. And he went to that final in Kyrgyz, so it it was this weird... I know everybody was feeling this way. God, do we have to root for Nick Kyrgyz in this situation? I know. (laughs) And, And Kyrgyz, first set, takes first set. Off of Djokovic. Yeah, but Djokovic has done this he's, for the last yes, couple of years. He's kind of playing four sets, a lot of people. I've seen uh, he, it. Uh, Yannick Sinner, I think, took the first two sets off of Djokovic. Yeah, that's right. He's done this a lot. Last year's French Open, Tsitsipas took two sets off of him. Last year's Wimbledon, Berrettini took the first set off of him. What, what Djokovic does, I mean, Nadal is like this too, but Djokovic is even more the master of it, is, is knowing how to manage a five-set match. If these matches were all best of three, 
I don't think you'd have seen the dominance. No, that but that's, that is important. They they can play. Djokovic can play four or five sets. Nadal, Federer, all these guys could do that. And it's not just a matter, matter of fitness. It's a matter of understanding how to manage the set. Oh, it's, it's, it's nerves. Now, so I want to read this to you, okay? And I'm, I'm going to let you give a guess of who said this, but this is an interview. And it's somebody you know. It's not like some jabroni. It's not some guy or whatever. Yeah. And it's somebody that Kyrgios has had issues with in the past. But afterwards, somebody asked about, you know, aren't you impressed with Nick Kyrgios making it to the final? Da-da? And this person said, he, he basically talked about how Kyrgios, quote, doesn't have quite the understanding of tennis. In the decisive moments, he was unable to control his anxiety that, again, degenerated into concert rebukes to his team as if they were to blame for undesired pass the scoreboard was taking from him. The match lacked great brilliance, mainly because there were too many unplayed points. The lack of perseverance of the Australian, especially in regards to maintaining his aggressiveness, revealed the main problem, in my opinion, his game possesses. He has a bad habit of hitting too many balls in any way, basically without paying attention and always in a bad position. Tony Nadal. <laughs> I was going to say just, just the cadence of it sounds like Rafa Nadal, but I don't think he would have come after no. him that way. No. no, his uncle Tony. And, and there's more. There is more to it. He just laid it out that that match sucked because Nick Kyrgios sucks. <laughs> That's basically what he said. Yeah, I mean... I don't think that's giving Djokovic nearly enough credit. He he played those last three sets brilliantly. I mean, that is peak Djokovic. Still doesn't have the most. No, he doesn't. <laughs> he he would. He doesn't. If he had gotten vaccinated. <laughs> I, mean, I he, mean, he he would have. You know, if he had managed to not hit a line judge in the throat. This man is his own worst enemy. So I I saw I saw this thing that like compared him to Muhammad Ali and saying, you know, they're, they're losing peak years of their life. And Muhammad Ali was taking a stance against the Vietnam War, and they wouldn't let him box. Djokovic won't get a shot. And then somebody else jumped into the chat because there is no bottom, you know. Somebody else jumped in and said, what about Mike Tyson? He lost a couple of years of his career at the peak. And everybody's Jesus like, Christ. he was in prison for, for rape. rape. Yeah. So <laughs> I know we all think he's cuddly now and everything like that. So maybe I, mean, I would also uh, argue that it's not like Djokovic taking a principled stand when he was basically trying to sneak into yeah, Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, he, he he would probably have his Australian Open title from this year if he had managed to not go on Instagram and tell everybody that he had gotten his medical exemption. Yeah, he's a he's an idiot. But let's let's continue to talk about men behaving badly, so to say. You talked about Curios, you talked about Sitsipas. It's what the hell is going on? Is there just too much testosterone or something? There's there's no consequences. There's no consequence. So I mean, you have speaking of, you know, domestic abuse violations, you have Zverev attacking the umpire's chair earlier this spring, right? And he was put on probation essentially and has been on his best behavior ever since, which shows he can control it. Curios, after he was put on probation after the whole Fergus Murphy thing, kept his nose clean, right? So these guys can control it. So Jensen Brooksby, I think, I don't know if we talked about this during the French Open show, Jensen Brooksby threw his racket and hit a ball kid. Didn't even look up, didn't even apologize. I mean, this is ridiculous behavior from these men. I mean, I'm not even going to compare them to to Nadal or Federer or Murray, who never behave that way, right? 
Federer and Nadal don't scream at anybody. Murray just screams at his mm-hmm. own family and his coach. But even guys like Killich, I never heard anything like no. this. Rorinka, you never heard no. anything like this. No, uh, no they don't behave I this mean, way. It's hard to find other people that have won titles outside of those few. <laughs> <laughs> Dominic Team doesn't okay. behave this yeah, way, yeah, right, right? right? I mean, but but there is a certain and and even Djokovic doesn't behave in a violent way. I, it was still an accident what he mm-hmm. did. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I just it got so bad over the spring that Andy Roddick had to put out a little video explaining to people how to throw your mm-hmm. racket properly without hurting somebody. Right. It was a little tongue tongue in cheek. No, but, but it's probably good advice that some of these guys should. But the the real problem is that there's no consequences, right? Sitsipas should have been defaulted out of that match. And I don't say this as a person that dislikes Sitsipas. Mm-hmm. He's fine. I like him. He's he's fine. Whatever. He's sort of a weirdo. He's like the the quiet spacey kid in class that all the jocks make fun of in the movie, right? But he still acted recklessly and could have hurt somebody. You don't do that. No, and another thing, and you've got to explain this to me in a way that I'm going to Also, the women don't behave this way at all. Well, no, they're much more pleasant. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you look at the last several, you look at the top women's player. I'll put Onjabur in that category, but Ash Barty was delightful. Iga Shriantek is delightful. You know, Elena Rybakina seems delightful. Simona Halep. Petra Kvitova, they, they do not behave this. Bianca Andreescu, Sloan Stevens, they, they, they just don't behave this no, way. No. Naomi Osaka. But, okay, so something else, and then we'll, we'll end on something a little bit more positive. And you just, look, I understand what they say, but what in the holy hell, Wimbledon banning Russian players? The woman who won is Russian. Well, I mean, that was... So that's a bunch of... BS. That was Boris Johnson in the Tory government putting a lot of pressure on oh, him to hey, do that. You know, do I have a goodbye here? The, the, the former. Well, I don't Hold think he's on. gone yet. I had to play my sad trombone. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I mean, that there, there was that, right? And yeah, are you telling me the conservatives in Britain will actually turn against their dumbass, <laughs> terribly haired leader? Well, there's another one lined up, probably. <laughs> um, I get why that. Then explain it to me. Well, so even Rubikina, right? That that Putin's already going around talking yeah. about, hey, Russia. But you know, her parade was in Kazakhstan yeah. with a bunch of Kazakh flags, and I know she left or went there because the Russian tennis federation wasn't giving her any money or support. Yeah. So, I mean, can you imagine the parade she would have gotten in Moscow? I get it. I don't know that she's less Russian than Daniil Medvedev, who lives in France. Yeah, I right. I mean, you know, that's... I, of course, understand why Russian players aren't speaking out. It's the same reason that we don't hear from Li Na about yeah, Peng Shui. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And I mean, that's what I mean. This is so idiotic. But this, look, here, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a minute. But this is kind of like elite western world attitude that well we would speak out no you won't yeah <laughs> yeah I, mean, I, I don't think anybody i mean andre rublev said something mm-hmm. right after the war started and but i don't expect him to say anything more than that you know <sighs> these people have families they asked for yes. about it i don't expect her to say anything no. about it either 
it's not fair to the Russian and Belarusian players to, especially no. there's some big names you're talking about, like the number one player in the world, Daniel Medvedev, mm-hmm. was not allowed to play. Arena Sabalenka is Belarusian. Victoria Azarenka is Belarusian. I, I mean, yeah, it's, it's crap. It's so crap. It's it's the crap I expect from the just hoity-toity, stupid all England lawn tennis club or whatever, where these players, the one time I feel bad for Djokovic and was he has, when he has to sit there with Will and Catherine and Kate or whatever and act like he's interested in the crap and they're talking young to. Young Prince George. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, you could hit a tennis ball really far, mate. I don't know what accent that is. I used to be good. I don't think that's, <laughs> a, that's not a posh. That's not a, a posh royalty kind of Garbage. accent there. <laughs> garbage no I, <sighs> I yeah i you know it really sucks for rebecca even for curios if i still had time for him i used to have time for mm-hmm. him is that there's no ranking points yeah that too. so because <laughs> rebecca would be in the top 10 mm-hmm. easily <laughs> at this point with no ranking points here djokovic is now going to be number seven in the world when the new rankings come out i want to know how it is possible that nadal is not number one right now I don't understand that at all. <laughs> How could you win two of the last four slams, make the quarters at another one, and not make the finals at Indian Wells, and not and, and not be number one? It doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah, I don't know. But the rankings are weird because of the COVID ranking freeze, and then because there's no ranking points for this woman, like uh, a player like Tatiana Maria. We haven't talked about her at all. She's had two kids, not twins either. Mm, oh my god, two kids. And made the made the semifinals at Wimbledon. What would that have done for her ranking? Yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> I mean, in the tennis world, rankings matter. Yeah. It means that you don't no. have to qualify for certain yeah, no, tournaments. No, right, right. And it means you start getting automatic paychecks uh, and it, it yeah. builds, right? So, so I, I want to end on something a little bit nicer. And I, I did my research on this. I had to pull up my notes here. But I did my research that uh, this is according to Wikipedia that – the Wimbledon Championships, commonly known as Wimbledon, are the old, is the oldest tennis tournament in the world and is widely regarded as the most prestigious. Okay, now I'm going to vomit. But anyways, so it was founded in 1877. So it's, it's a long time. I think that I think that's longer than the Indy 500 or the, the Kentucky Derby. I know those are like two of the longest uh, r- runs or something like that. It's only ever been canceled twice. Mm-hmm. Once for bombing <laughs> and once for COVID. Yes. It uh, started 1877 to 1921 on Warple Road. Maybe next time. That's what I'm going to say. Every time I do some, oh, please, can you give me a pencil? I'll say I'm on Warple Road. There. That's like, I got Isn't it in. more like, have you got a hay penny? <laughs> <sighs> what day? Christmas Day. <laughs> um, that's Cockney coming out here. <laughs> so, and then they What, mo- what road? <laughs> Warple. W-O-R-P-L-E. Okay. But they moved to Church Road in 1922 mm-hmm. and built the first Centre Court. Yeah. Or in British, Centre Court. I'm being pretty good. I'm getting that this back. It was more like French. <laughs> so it, uh, they're just French anyways. It's like a pan-European All the English are just French anyways. Do I need Except to tell you? Except for the Celts. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> so... 1922 on Church Road. It's 100 years ago. Yeah. That center court, 100-year anniversary. Yeah. Tell me about it. So it was also, so this year, a couple of changes. One of the changes being that they 
scheduled play on middle Sunday, which they historically haven't. I think they say the grass needs to recover or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but isn't it because it rains so goddamn much that they need a day? <laughs> I, I don't think so. But speaking of which, it actually looked pretty nice this year. The yeah. times you were watching it, it looked actually like it was pretty good. I think they said the they final do have two covered courts now, yeah, so you yeah. know you don't have any more rainouts. But they used to not schedule play on middle Sunday, and they used to do the entire round of 16 men's and women's. So that is 16 singles matches on the Monday afterwards, which is just crazy. So they, they're not doing that anymore. They're scheduling play on middle Sunday, but before they started playing on middle Sunday, they had a ceremony, which I didn't see the whole thing. Uh, Apparently parts of it were kind of meh and parts of it were very, very good. But what they did was they had Sue Barker and John McEnroe emceeing. They had a whole bunch of past Wimbledon champions come out onto the court. And they introduced them in ascending order of how many Wimbledons they had won. <laughs> so That sucks. You had. <laughs> right. So you had in the one category you had like Simona Halep and Goran Ivanisevic and then in the two category had like Petra Kvitova and Rafael Nadal and, you know, it kept going. Conspicuously absent from the one category was one Mr. Andre Agassi. Um, I just don't think he and Steffi want can, anything to do with tennis. <laughs> well, <laughs> conspicuously absent from the seven category were both Steffi and Pete Sampras. But what was one of the greatest moments was when they got to the fives and they had this like double doors where the athletes were past champions were coming out and they said, you know, in five Bjornborg and they opened the door and Bjornborg walks out and behind him, you could see this very tall, big hair silhouette of Venus Williams standing behind <laughs> him, which was kind of awesome. <laughs> you see Borg walk out, but you just know <laughs> Venus is right back there. And I've told you before, I think Venus Williams is very, very cool. Well, yeah, some guy said, are you just doing this for fun? And she told the reporter, are you just going to write a half-assed article? Basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, also conspicuously absent from the sevens was Serena. Well, they wouldn't let her have her cars. <laughs> That's the rumor. <laughs> yeah. And then Djokovic came out because he had six. Now has seven. Now has seven, mm-hmm. but had six at the mm-hmm. time. What I thought was interesting is everybody was wearing like a dress or a suit except for the three that were still in the tournament. Yeah, you which told was me. Djokovic, Nadal, and Halep were all wearing white track suits. I, I wonder if part of that is if you're in the tournament, you have to go by their stupid dress thought, code. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely weird yeah. because Petra Kvitova had played, but she was already out. Yeah. So, and yeah, Angelique Kerber had played, but was already out, and they were just dressed in regular clothes. And then. And with eight Wimbledon titles, Roger Federer, everybody goes crazy. Hold on. There you go. Looking very dapper in a suit. John McEnroe asked him if he'd be back, and he said, I hope I can come back one more time. And then, very, very sad, the person with the most Wimbledon singles titles tested positive for COVID that morning <laughs> and so couldn't come, which really sucked. And that is... Martina Navratilova. Yes. I also learned during that that Novak Djokovic learned about the history of tennis from Billie Jean King because he thought he knew it, but then she educated. <laughs> Just give up. People aren't going to love you, dude. Just give it up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. So anyway, it was, was kind of cool to see them. It was it was disappointing. Like certain people, Serena, Pete, Steffi, just conspicuous by their absence. You know, there were a couple of others that didn't come. Uh, but Martina Hingis was there. Pete L- no, Lindsay be, Davenport. I say Pete seems to be done with tennis too, though. I think he showed think up la- at one thing. Since he, he showed up uh, at the Roddick at the last time Andy Roddick yeah. played a Wimbledon final, which yeah. was when Pete passed. Pete's, was, Pete was was when Federer passed. Yeah, P- Pete is married to Veronica Vaughn. He's doing okay. He he is. Yeah. All right. Before I leave you for a month here, I give me a couple names at the U.S. Open. Wow. For the women, I mean, it's so hard to say. I mean, Iga Shriantek did win Miami and Indian Wells, obviously can play on hard It's the one courts. Naomi Osaka knows how to play. Naomi Osaka is very good on hard courts. Like I said, Anshabur can play on hard court. I don't know that the surface suits her as well as the grass does, but she can play on hard court. Oh, I am just waiting for the day that Bianca Andreescu gets some of those match wins going again. You know, she um, she had a tough, tough draw this year, but by all accounts was was playing much better in the lead up tournaments. So so when Nadal ends up having I always have a soft spot for Angie Kerber just because I admire anybody that can hit a blistering down the line backhand winner with her ass on the ground. So when uh, Nadal gets bonus eruptus, where his skeleton tries to jump out of the body, and Dr. <laughs> Nick Riviera needs a golf cart battery to shock it back in, and he can't play the final, who's going to beat Djokovic? Djokovic won't be there. Oh, that's right. So, <laughs> so there. So that maybe he won't get bonus eruptus. You want, you want to hear something funny? So he and Nick Kyrgios kind of made up. Yeah, of course they did. Because they're both jackasses. No, no, because <laughs> Kyrgios was one of the only people who defended him when he yeah, wouldn't get vaccinated yeah. and he got deported. Yeah. So, of course, that puts him back in Djokovic's good books, right? Anyway, before the final, they had made plans on Instagram to go out for dinner. And they didn't. And Djokovic said, I'll get you dinner in New York. You're not going to be there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, depending on what happens with Kyrgios' hearing, he might not even yeah, be there either. Yes. So we will see. No, I don't know. So obviously Nadal, Medvedev, I mean, Medvedev is the number one player in the world. He's mm-hmm. he's he's very good, right? I mean, he did go five sets with Rafa in the Australian Open final. Last year's defending champion. Zverev said he's going to be back. Can any of these American so. men catch fire? Fritz. I mean... Taylor Fritz is a very, very good tennis player. Like I said, this year he has kind of... I've been hearing about Taylor Fritz for I even know his name. seven, eight years, <laughs> right? And and again, he's not that old. He's like 22. So, And I've been hearing about him for a long, long time. And I remember rolling my eyes. You guys told me Taylor Dent was going to be awesome. You told me, you know, all of these people. Were, Jack Sock. Jack Sock. Yeah, that's one right? I remember. Sam Query. Yeah, who's the dude that loved Trump? Isner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so. You know, Riley Opelka. I, I mean, but I do think that Taylor Fritz is legit, legitimately better than all of them. Yeah. I mean, Cam Norrie, we didn't talk about Cam Norrie at all. British man made the semifinals, yeah. right? I think, didn't he take a set off Djokovic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. He played out of his mind the first <laughs> set and then just, you know, can't keep it up. Mm-hmm. But Cam Norrie, TCU. And... That's not Tullicum 
center Britain University or whatever. I no. <laughs> I, I, you know, there's, I always find it interesting when somebody makes it into the top 10 after playing collegiate tennis because yeah. it's so rare. I, yeah. I can think of him, Isner, Kevin Anderson, and Danielle Mac- Collins, oh, and maybe Mac- that's it. <laughs> John McEnroe's proud as hell from graduating from Stanford. Did he graduate from Stanford? Did he just go uh, there for maybe a couple he just of years? Went there, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> um, but, but I think anyway. Pat McEnroe probably graduated because he was never <laughs> as good. <laughs> Which is weird because I actually like Pat McEnroe a little bit more than I like John McEnroe. Again, Patrick McEnroe <laughs> liked Jamie Murray. Yes. Excellent doubles player. Yeah, yeah okay. Right? <laughs> Excellent doubles player. No, but there there have been a lot of really – there have been a lot of D1 tennis players who have made, who have had very good doubles careers, right? Rajiv Ram is the latest that comes to mind, right? Those four that I mentioned, Isner, Anderson, Nori, and Collins are the only four that I can rattle off the top of my head that have actually had deep run. I think maybe Lisa Raymond made a quarterfinal once, who have been NCAA players and have made deep runs, which I find kind of interesting. Well, Tina, if anybody's going to follow you to be like, stop talking with this uh, this jabroni about tennis. That's right, people, two jabronis that I'm dropping today. <laughs> Like that. Can, can we get one in the Cockney no. accent? Oh God, that's going to take some work. I just always <laughs> you think, work on it for next. I, I just always think of that always sunny where Max always saying that Charlie's like, where'd you get this word jabroni? What's it mean? I don't know, dude, but isn't it cool? That's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> so where are they going to find you? They can find me at Tina Seedsing on t- on the Twitter machine on yes. the Bird app. Yes, that's right, and. You guys, uh, we're, we're here. You can find us here, Seed Sane, ex-millennial man. I promise you. Actually, I can't promise that. I don't know if Ty's going to be back next week. He might be on vacation, which if not, it's going to be like the greatest East German hardcore electronic songs ever. That's what we're going to do next week. So that's what you guys got to watch out for. So <laughs> with that being said, we thank you for your ears. Anything else that you may use to listen to the Ex-Millennial Man podcast? Uh, remember, we're here every Saturday for free, wherever you find your fine podcasting shows. And that's it. So the next time I see you, Tina will be in a few in a few minutes. So I hope you have a <laughs> I hope you have a good I'm time. I'm gonna go upstairs. Now. <laughs> yes. All right. All right. Thanks. Bye. The Ex-Millennial Man Podcast is a production of SeedSing.com, fully owned by R.D. Kulik & Associates, LLC. Producers Ty Kulik and Ryan Kulik, adequately engineered by Ryan Kulik.